Hey guys, apologies, 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 apologies. Um, we had connection issues. Um, sincerely apologize for that. Um, and PK was on the roll. I was already enjoying the session. Um, but no worries. We'll just pick right back from where we stopped. So once again, if you can hear me, just respond with an emoji. Okay, awesome, 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 awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, again, this session is recorded, so um, a larger community will be tuning in after the space. Um, PK, back to you. Please, same question. Um, what are those challenges you faced? Um, sorry, I have to take you back, but please um, share with us. All right, thank you so much. Um, and yes, we do have internet downtime sometimes, um, which is beyond our control. Um, but we hope, you know, our government takes that into consideration as we also put in structures for, you know, talent in Africa to access those global markets. I think that would even put a lot of pressure on them when they see the amount of value that, you know, is being generated and how it's diverting people from being un unemployed to being employed. Um, but back to what I was talking about, I was trying to give a general context on the African perspective when it comes to fiat payments and how difficult it is to have that interoperability in terms of how we send money across, you know, both neighboring countries or countries across the continent. Um, I've also tried to, you know, I've worked with people in South Africa. I've worked with people in about seven or eight different African countries. And there was one thing that was the biggest issue, right? It was sending money to them, you know. Um, and because that was an issue, it made it strange business. And so it kind of confined me to doing business with people in my locale when, you know, there are millions of other people who could probably have done the service much better. And so I think that kind of gives us that context in Africa that um, the faster we are able to send money to ourselves, you know, the easier it would be for us to also share value. But when you now look at the cryptocurrency side of it, I would like to speak from a stablecoin stable perspective which is more of, you know, being able to send your value and receiving your value as is, that has broken down all the ge geographical borders. And it has enabled us to share a lot of value. Currently on our team, we have people spread across different African countries. And it's easy for us to make payments at much cheaper options without middlemen. And so we see the blockchain providing a finance layer, which is kind of the foundation. And what you are now building on top of that finance layer is people are now confident to share value across the continent. And so Africa has like, the, you know, one of the largest P2P markets or even fast growing adoption. And so you see that because it breaks that geographical barrier, more people are interested in sharing value and also giving that borderless trust. And so the difficulty of payments, we see the stablecoin as a necessary thing or the cryptocurrency foundation you know, the blockchain foundation as a must-have and it's not a nice-to-have. And that's why you see a lot of people have been able to not just access global opportunities, but even collaborate more effectively with people from Africa. Thank you. Okay, thank you, PK. Thank you for that, um, for sharing challenges and limitations with us. Um, 
I also have experienced mine, right? Um, I, I know there was a time I did something for someone in Kenya. This was years back, even before I began to delve into the blockchain space. And payments, I, we, I almost just told the person, you know what, go with the money, right? And payment was a, was a big issue. And that's how I really just delved into this journey. But yeah, um, over to you, Franklin. Piquet has shared some of all these challenges. And the question is quite simple. How does cryptocurrency solve these challenges we face with fiat payments? All right. Thank you so much for that question. And uh, Piquet really did a great job at breaking that down. But first of all, I would like to share my story, an experience I had that got me into uh, this space. Um, especially the payment and remittance aspects. Um, back in the days, I used to blog. I used to, you know, write on some micro blog platforms, and I made some money in one particular one. I tried to cash it out, and I was um, halted by an error notification that said that um, the payment gateway I was trying to use to cash the funds out was not functional in my my location that is Nigeria. Um, after so many tries, I, I, I gave up. That was pre-2013, right? And um, after a while, you know, the micro-blogging platform was, was shut down. So that, that's how I lost that money. And I'm sure it wasn't just me. Every other Nigerian or African who um, used the platform probably was not able to cash out that money um, after so many hard work. Uh, fast forward to 2014, um, a friend trusted me to help him move money to China. Um, he was a little bit under the weather, and he had um, his, his brother was in China, and um, they wanted to import some certain things, and his brother had to send money to his account for him to send to send through the bank. That was, I think, either Western Union or MoneyGram. I can't remember exactly which one. So he was a bit under the weather and he, he trusted me to do it for him. So I went to the bank to do that. I actually bounced to the bank as early as 6 o'clock, thinking I was going to be the first person at the bank. I saw a queue of people. And when they opened the bank uh, gates, they rushed in and the first person did this transaction and every other person became reluctant to go to the cashier. So I, I went to the cashier and I told her what I wanted to do and she told me that the slot for the day was already uh, um, exhausted. So that means that they could only assist one person to move money uh, for the week or for the day. And I uh, should come back the following week. I was shocked. And after so many, I had to go to a different bank. Um, they were going to charge me about 18% of that transaction, of the amount I wanted to send. And eventually, when we did the transaction, it took about two weeks and that was not without headaches and backs and forth back and forths and so many headaches before the money was cleared and um unfortunately the guy he was able to do the business but he lost a lot of money and you know he had to stay longer than he planned now imagine people who do businesses across the world who um depend on moving money to be able to do their businesses and little wonder at the end of the day when those products come down to Nigeria, it become a bit more difficult than more expensive than, than it ought to be. And then it wasn't long after that, it was about a year or two, I was able to help another person send 
about a million dollars across to another country. I did it with cryptocurrency. It was Bitcoin. And I wasn't charged up to $1 for that transaction. And that was my eureka moment. I told myself I was going to solve that problem um, as a computer scientist, right? I was still in school then. But that was when the whole vision of Boundless Pay, a platform that could allow people to send money across came. And I've been quite passionate about this because, you know, each every day that passes by, I, I come across people, I read stories. And, you know, yesterday I was with a very big business friend. And, you know, surprisingly, even till now, right some of these transactions are very difficult so there are people across the world if you go to different countries you will see um lots of african migrants and these people make money they actually travel for greener pastures and who are they make, making the money for it's not just for themselves right they are making it for their family members that are still back home so there is need for them to be able to move money back home there are people who um you know, do businesses, they need to, uh, you know, do importation and all whatnot. So there is need for that bottleneck to be taken care of. And uh, let's, let's not talk about, uh, let's not even talk about Africa. It's, it's, it's easier for someone to move from Lagos to Cotonou by road than it is to send money, substantial amount of money from, from Lagos, from Nigeria to you know, uh, those places. So someone has to solve that problem. And, our pro and that's so the solution to that problem is really not fiat because every day that passes by, the government finds ways to make it difficult for people to transact. Uh, just a few minutes ago, my CMO sent me a document from CBN that is limiting people from being able to cash out as you know, um, money from ATM machines. I think the maximum amount you can do in a day now is twenty thousand naira, and um, the maximum you can do as a business, uh, I think in a week is about five hundred thousand, right? And there are so many ways this will limit people from, you know, flexibly doing business or going about their 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 daily lives. And that's where cryptocurrencies and blockchain comes to, to help. Um, you know, the limitation that the barrier it breaks is, 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 is massive, you know. You can't imagine. It's massive. You'll be able to... There's no limit to how much you can, you can hold at a time. Um, there's no limit to how much you can send. There's no limit to who you can send money to, right? As far as you are doing everything legally, and they are doing it, um, you know, uh, within within in a legal, you know, uh, purview. There's no limit to what you can do with it. Uh, in in our company, recently we opened up some few new rules, you know, being able to send money to to China and a couple of other countries. But one thing that we've been able that you know we've been able to do is, how about when you are sending the money to someone? And the person doesn't even understand cryptocurrencies or know how to call. The, the person don't know what cryptocurrency is all about, right? Um, it becomes another difficult task. So you may say, okay, um, since I, I can't send in, in fiat, right? How about I buy cryptocurrency in my country and just send it to the person's wallet? Then you now have to educate the person what cryptocurrency is. 
they have to educate the person how to get a wallet and like during the early stages most people make mistakes and they may lose that money so what we've done on our part to solve that problem is through our platform you send the money from in crypto the person receives it in fiat automatically um you know in their bank accounts so there are so many ways you can play around this as far as you are able to move the money across you know there are so many ways we can play around it to be able to make it easier. But at the end of the day, the end goal is being able to 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 make those remittances easier and seamless. Thank you. Yeah. So so um, to our listeners, I was not I was not joking when I said this was going to be a very very um, informative space. Um, and we're going to do our best as Aya to to make sure that. Um, a larger audience gets to listen to this, right? Because I feel that I can, I can almost sense the pain you you felt when um, you had to lose almost eighteen percent of your money. Um, yeah, imagine me also wanting to lose my money to to a Kenyan um, business I'd, I'd worked with. I don't know right? if it's just me, but it's breaking. Your voice is breaking. Can everyone hear me clearly now? Yeah, it has been very, very, it has been crystal clear, Larry. Um, I don't know, frankly, maybe it's on your end. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, yes, we would, we would really make this, um, space more open to everybody. I think everyone needs to learn and hear about this. Um, but over to you, over to you, PK. Um, great and amazing work, um, with IA gigs and, um, pushing the remote work culture, right? Um, so with the increase in remote work adoption, how, is, or how does cryptocurrency help to facilitate cross-border payments, right? From business to, to, to talent, from talent to business. All right, thank you so much, Larry. Um, I think the first thing we look at when we're examining that interaction is, you know, what is the cost of that transaction, you know? Um, you know, cost going to the business and the cost coming from the freelancer, right? And those are some critical things that people are paying a lot more attention to. Um, but that's not just one of the biggest issues. And like my first, when I first discussed, the foundation was it's difficult to access talent across the continent. Um, if you look at the opportunity access in terms of the global work, you have like the big four African countries, um, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and I would say Egypt, um, because I see that Egypt is actually picking a lot of pace. And you can see the access to a lot of financial rails across those countries. But when we talk about some other African countries, um, actually countries in the Central African Republic, they don't have that equal access. So what we're saying for our own foundation at AYA is we know there is value in those places. And so we see that um, the adoption of cryptocurrency is about 2,500% year on year. We see that a lot of people have that foundation. And so it's easier for the businesses to you know, get access to those talents because it evenly distributes opportunities across the continent. We're very big on ensuring that you know as many African countries or talents don't feel that because of a geographical barrier, that is why they can't get access to opportunities. 
and I know everybody on this Twitter space has obviously heard about Bitcoin, you know, or of Ethereum or of any of the stable coins. And that is the foundation which we're building in. So it's helping breaking that geographical, helping break the geographical divide. On the other side, um, even in terms of learning opportunities, right, it's more of giving people much more learning skills because they have a bigger market to apply. And one of the things we'd like to talk about was um, when we got the grant from Coinbase giving, um, we wanted to just train 100 people. And when we put out the application, we got about uh, almost 4,000 you know, applications from 33 African countries. So which means that, number one, there are people who know what the blockchain is, they know what the mode of payment is, and they are now interested in moving to layer two, building skills where they can earn globally. And so that blockchain is providing really, really strong frameworks for, you know, Africans who are in parts of Africa who were, it was once difficult to access these global opportunities. And that's why we're very excited with, with what we are doing and we you know we'll continue doubling down as we go on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, PK. Thank you so much. And great work Aya is doing. Um, Scarlett, I know you have some questions for Franklin and PK. You want to take it over from here? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I do have questions. And um, I just want to say thank you, first of all, to both speakers. It's been um, eye-opening listening to, to both of you share your experiences. But moving forward um, to you, Franklin, um, a major argument against cryptocurrency payments is its, it's lack of regulation. What can you say about this? All right, so uh, thank you for that question. I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm very bullish on regulation. A lot of people in the crypto space think that regulation is bad for the, for the um, ecosystem. The truth is that if you can't regulate a thing, it becomes a menace. So it's very, very important that there is a level of security. However, it shouldn't be... Um, to extreme that people are not able to to, to use the technology anymore, um, or if there is a way for a level of oversight to be on the on the on the ecosystem, then it it helps the players to play um, fairly and takes away the the, the bad actors. So um, when it comes to this regulatory um, stuff, uh, we should, we are not waiting for. You know, we are not waiting for the government to come and say we are regulating this ecosystem and this is how we are doing it. It's the job of the key players to be regulated themselves. Uh, regulation is all about, um, you know, how how do you do what you do, right? So that you don't you don't get into problems. So for us, anybody we are working with, we actually work with in the area of remittance, you know, because of bulk payments and OTCs, we work with um, businesses that are regulated, businesses that are registered, right? Um, so you have to pass through our KYC system. So we need to know who you are. We need to have your ID cards, your, your proper details, your business registration documents, your... Uh, uh, you know, the, your, your team members, right? What you're actually doing with the money so that we don't help you to launder money and we don't help you to, uh, you know, send money to maybe terrorist organizations. 
So we do that. In some cases, we actually also need the invoice of what you're paying for so that we we can have all those details. And then, of course, we, we go ahead to, to get you on board. Um, so so that's how we do it. We also carry out, you know, anti-money laundry. Um, uh, we have our anti-money laundry policies and we ensure that our customers have um, access to that to, to, to know how we operate. So, yeah, it's very, very, it's very, very important. As much as, you know, cryptocurrencies can really not be directly um, um, regulated, right? Because it's global. Whatever regulation you are putting on it as a government or as, as an institution um, really only protects the people within that jurisdiction and doesn't kind of do a global thorough work. But, but the people using it is, is our job to, to regulate how we, how we you know, transact with it. Um, in boundless pay, right, we have a maximum amount any, any business can actually transact, right? Um, and it is in a very high threshold. So most people that we are doing, uh, we are helping to do these remittances for um, actually don't even exceed those amounts. So yeah, my opinion is this is just it should be regulated, but um, you know, mostly for us, those people playing within the ecosystem should right now be doing everything they are doing within that that direction without really waiting until the government comes to do something. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So in terms of regulation, uh my personal take is, um, in addition to what you said, is that it would really help adoption. So when newbies, people who are not really aware or familiar with the term cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, uh, when they hear about all the hacks and the rocks, it's quite um, difficult for them to trust the tech and you know, adopt it, so to speak. And uh, there are also cases where um, talents refuse to accept payments in crypto, but they better they better trust the fiat currencies because if anything happens, they can just walk into a bank, storm it, and you know, make noise, and then they would release the money. But I think a bit of regulation for blockchain is quite healthy. Yeah. So I'll thank you, uh, Mr. Franklin. Uh, moving to PK. Um, so you actually touched on this particular question. Um, like you predicted what we're going to ask, but we'd still like you to share a bit more information about how exactly businesses and talents would gain from um, adopting cryptocurrency as um, a means of payments. All right. Thank you so much, Scarlett. Um, I don't think it's um, a topic that we could totally exhaust because for us it's a fundamental and it's something we tell businesses that work with us every day. It gives you access to the best talent, right? I think people have stopped asking where does the talent reside, but is how fast does the job get done? Because um, previously, you know, people asked all those questions. Um, where do they stay? You know, all those things that did not matter. But seeing the way dynamics have changed, people are really focused on, you know, startup talents that have the pace mindset, problem solving, with the right attitudes, have strong creativity and a really, really high empathy. And that could be somebody that is most times outside your own network. And so that connection that the stablecoin payment connects between the business and the talent 
makes it possible for the business to hit their own goals even way ahead of time like a lot of businesses in our own ecosystem have shared right people that they wouldn't have ordinarily been able to collaborate with if they are using the fiat payment rails they have access to them because that barrier has been taken away and also on the talent side it also gives us access to a larger pool of talent because more people are willing to participate you know in the global economy when they know they are not going to give up you know up to 20% of their earnings to transaction fees right and so we'll say you are earning a $1000 you know and you have to give up about 40 50 dollars to transaction fees as against a platform where you can earn and then you just pay like you know maybe a dollar or less for the same you know the same value offered to the global stage and so that value add on both sides of the market makes it much easier for people to want to use that as a foundation and so accepting it and which is why i said from the beginning i'm speaking from a stable coin point of view um, because people don't want to wake up tomorrow and see that their value has dropped so as long as it's in a stable coin for both the businesses and the freelancers it also protects both of their interests and so that's why we see that um, a lot of businesses have that value we also see the web3 industry growing to a point where it becomes so embedded in, in their products that it's not as loud as you know all the noise and all that and that's where we see the real global adoption taking place right where you have an amazon having a checkout feature you know it cuts down their transaction fees of course a lot of regulation have to go into that thought process and you know also managing their um you know their treasuries and all that but what that does is it makes it gives them the ability to work with a lot more customers than they're currently working with right and that's where we see the real adoption taking off so we're trying to move to that stage where it's no longer seeming like a novelty but an everyday thing that gives you access to more users you know from the or more talent from the business side and from the talent side it gives you access to you know a host of businesses from around the globe who you can collaborate with at any time and receive payments instantly so that's a strong key value add for them thank you i, I was <laughs> i was really enjoying what you, what you were saying um like you started with, there is uh, immense benefits to adopting uh, cryptocurrency as a means of payments. Um, I, I really look forward to a situation where we would have more businesses and talents, you know, adopting this technology. So um, back to Mr. Franklin, uh, in terms of adoption, we're still on the subject of adoption. There's been a whole lot of arguments about um, if we we can completely like hundred uh, percent move to cryptocurrency or if traditional payment systems would still be a thing, but in in your terms, how do you see the global economy? Do you think we're going to pivot to cryptocurrency payments in the future? All right, thank you for that question. The, that's the future that the block 